This week on Roundtable, it's all about getting back to normal this summer, at least when it comes to the big events that help shape San Diego. Comic-Con, live music, theater, the fair, and pride, they all had to scale back over the last couple of years. But now it's full steam ahead. We're looking at what's back and what's new in 2022. I'm Matt Hoffman, and this is KPBS Roundtable. You've been thinking about helping KPBS with a donation. Why not donate that extra car you no longer need? Pickup is free, and you're supporting KPBS Public Media. Here's how. Visit kpbs.careasy.org. It's a busy time of year here in San Diego as the end of the school year nears and summer vacations are beginning. That's why this week we're taking a step back from the news and focusing on what's fun in our area. To do that, we have three local reporters who have covered it all over the years. Julia Dixon-Evans reports on the arts for KPBS, and she also produces the popular KPBS Arts Newsletter. George Varga is the longtime music critic for the San Diego Union-Tribune, and M.G. Perez is here. He's our education reporter here at KPBS. Thank you all so much for being here. We're going to start with something that's in the paper this week. George, you have a four-page spread in the UT that previews this summer's live music headliners. Before we ask you who you're looking forward to seeing, could you sort of set the stage for us here? You know, we have the live touring industry. How are they doing after a couple of years of COVID? Is it back to pre-pandemic levels? In a way, we're beyond the pre-COVID level. There are more people touring now um, than ever before, but concomitantly, you have more people continuing to get COVID. So in the past two weeks, everybody from Animal Collective and Eric Clapton and the Strokes have all canceled performances because they've come down with COVID. Pearl Jam, uh, likewise. Um, so kind of like we're beyond it and we're not beyond it. By way of, of noting how many uh, different live music opportunities people have, I, I wrote out a little thing here. On, on June 18th, you could go to either Bob Dylan at the Civic Theater, Sarah McLaughlin at Humphreys, Slipknot and Cypress Hill at North Island Credit Union Amphitheater, the 16th annual Switchfoot Bro-Am at Moonlight Beach, uh, Joy Knows at, Som- at Soma, and Modern English at the Casbah, and more. I mean, I could go on, but all that in one evening. And then you multiply that, uh, really going into September, far more than any human being will be able to uh, to undertake. This weekend, Tears for Fears is playing in Chula Vista. The calendar is also filling up for major venues, including Petco Park and the new Rady Shell. I'm curious, George, are there a couple of shows this summer or even maybe some new venues that you're looking forward to going to and seeing? None at all. I'm, I'm kidding. Um, there, there are there are plenty, and uh, you know we're lucky to live where we do. Um, and that uh, Elton John is at Petco Park on November 9th on the farewell tour that I thought I reviewed in 2019 when he played here, but uh, the tour kept getting bigger and bigger. And if we take Petco Park, they are having more happening in 2022 than in any year in their history. Specifically, Red Hot Chili Peppers will be there, uh, Grupo Ferme will be there, Def Leppard with Motley Crue, Bad Bunny uh, doing becoming the only performer ever to do two back-to-back performances at Petco Park, and then Elton John, um, and that's one venue. And then uh, Radio Show will be opening up, um, the Del Mar Fair will be opening up. Um, really, I, I think people have will have more than ever before 
to, to pick from, and that is both a good thing and a bad thing. Julia, let's bring you into this live music conversations. We, we know that there's touring headliners, but there's also locally produced festivals. And one of those starting soon is mainly Mozart, and then next month, the La Jolla Music Society's Summerfest. Can you tell us what's sort of going on there? Yeah, so mainly Mozart, that's the all-star orchestra festival. They're bringing in concert masters and principal musicians from all across the country, from major orchestras. So things like the first violin, the first clarinet from different orchestras. And mainly Mozart was also the first um, organization to perform live music for an in-person audience during the pandemic. They did these super popular free drive-in shows at the fairground. They continued those into 2021. And they also started doing it kind of like a picnic pod style seating for their shows. They're doing that this year as well. The Mainly Mozart All-Star Festival starts next weekend and it runs through the 18th. That's at the Surf Cup Sports Park. La Jolla Music Festival Summerfest, that is at their concert space. It's indoors. It's called the Conrad. And that runs for about a month starting at the end of July. There's chamber music, jazz, opera, even dance. And these are things that like attract composers, musicians from all over the world. There's a lot of living composers too, including a residence and, and kind of a takeover from Caroline Shaw, who is one of my favorite composers. So that's something that's on my list for the Long ago, when the public square was the only place to share news, events, and happenings, people were drawn to it. Living in community with others was the route to understanding each other and the world around us. The public square has changed dramatically, but our need to learn and understand one another hasn't. This is Port of Entry. The Parker Edison Project. Listener-supported KPBS Cinema Junkie. Thank you for listening to KPBS Podcast and for being part of our region's virtual public square, where you learn not only about the headlines of the day, but about culture, music, and the issues that are important to all of us. Help keep the virtual square alive and well. Support podcasts like the one you're listening to right now. Just go to kpbs.org, click the blue Give Now button, and make a donation. And thanks again. summer. And we'll talk more about live music in just a moment, but let's touch on something else that's already underway. We're talking about Pride. And MG, you were there Thursday morning for the raising of the Pride flag that happened over in University Heights. What did you see going on there? Well, first of all, it is now known as the uh, Progress Pride flag. And uh, that flag is the one that represents more than just the rainbow colors. Uh, there is an affiliation for uh, the transgender community and also for uh, people of color. And that is the flag that for the first time this year was uh, raised uh, in front of the uh, San Diego Unified Education uh, Center. And so uh, if I was to put uh, a name on the vibe uh, of the event, this year it was about safety. Safety not only for students who identify as LGBTQ, uh, but also just safety in general with all that we've had with uh, the uh, school shootings and so forth. A lot of concern has been put on how do we prevent it, and more importantly, how do we protect 
um, our students. San Diego's Pride Festival is in July, though across the U.S. and internationally, Pride Month is in June, and there's plenty to celebrate, including the reopening of the LGBT Center. MG, you covered that recently. How was COVID a part of that story? Well, essential services continued in person. Uh, They offer a lot of services to the community, not only the LGBT community, but immigrant uh, community, HIV community, and so forth. But for the most part, it was shut down for two years, which meant no in-person services. Uh, But uh, now, uh, as of June 1st on Wednesday, uh, that uh, they have moved into the next phase of their reopening, which will mean counseling in-person sessions, uh, uh, support groups meeting uh, in person, uh, and uh, just a lot more activity in the new, by the way, renovated center, which includes an incredible welcoming lobby uh, and other uh, uh, improvements that have been made throughout the facility. We're talking about big events that are returning to San Diego this summer now that we're sort of in a better place with the pandemic, and there's a lot to look forward to. Let's turn over to the performing arts and the theater for a bit. KPBS arts reporter Julia Dixon-Evans is one of our guests. And Julia, you have your eye on the Shakespeare Festival. It's happening later this summer. How does that fit into the Old Globe's summer schedule? Right. um, That's at the outdoor festival stage at the Globe. They're doing two productions. The first is Taming of the Shrew, um, which starts on Sunday. And that runs through um, July, up until July 10th, I think. And then beginning July 31st, they're going to do A Midsummer Night's Dream. That's directed by Patricia McGregor. I I don't know about anybody else, but I watched um, Station Eleven at the the series recently and a lot of that revolved around these like beautiful outdoor productions of Shakespeare plays and so I am really looking forward to seeing some some Shakespeare outdoors under twinkling lights and after the I think it was a month ago the La Jolla Playhouse with their Without Walls Festival I'm just really into outdoor theater now it's proven to be a really great uh, opportunity here in San Diego. And MG, another theater event that's already underway is the Fringe Festival. We've had some coverage of it here on KPBS. You may have heard it. What's your connection to that festival and what can people expect there? Well, one of my passions besides education is theater. And about four years ago, I uh, joined the committee that organizes the San Diego International Fringe Festival. Of course, we have been shut down for the last two years because of COVID, but we are back currently at Balboa Park in two locations, the Puppet Theater and the Centro Building that is right off Park Boulevard primarily. My official title is On Air Online Media Director, which is a fancy way of saying uh, I need to get the word out as best I can. And thanks to Beth Accomando, uh, who is the best in the business, uh, we are getting lots of coverage and uh, she is uh, helping to spread the word about this great festival, which is international. We actually have acts from Japan, from Great Britain, from South America, along with some great outside-the-box performers, if you will, locally and from across the U.S., And Julia, what about with theater? Like, are we still seeing some venues maybe require masks or any other requirements? Yeah, and I'm actually seeing like new changes. So venues that lifted their mask requirement are 
reenacting them. Signet Theater is one. And they're actually kind of a leader in um, COVID attendance requirements. They they were one of the first venues to, to ask for your proof of vaccination. And um, they recently announced that they were going to be doing a masks up night. So that's for people who would only want to go to see the theater if everybody else in the theater was wearing a mask. But they've since, um, just the end of last week, they since said that all of their performances require masks. We've seen a couple of COVID outbreaks among casts. 86 at the Diversionary, they had to cancel a few shows. And so they have added shows to the end of the run. And that that's a theater at the Diversionary that they have always had a mask requirement. Uh, other theaters like the La Jolla Playhouse, they're based at UC San Diego, so they have to follow UC San Diego's rules. Um, Lamplighters Community Theater, Moxie, San Diego Junior Theater, they all require masks. It's some of the bigger ones like um, Broadway San Diego, the Old Globe, um, Moonlight Theater, which is outdoors anyway. They're not requiring masks just now, so I'll be watching them to see if they uh, offer something like a mask up night or do, do some sort of changes as cases continue to rise. Oh, in, in New York, I believe uh, all Broadway productions were going to end their, their mandate for masking in May, and now they extended it uh, a little while back till the end of June. I, I think today it was announced that Almost Famous, which began at the Old Globe and uh, written by San Diego native Cameron Crowe, there today announced that they would open, I believe, October 11th on Broadway. Um, but I think it's worth noting that they were going to open um, in 2020 and then in 2021 and then earlier in 2022. And so it kind of ties everything together in that I noted earlier that there are more uh, concert tours going on than ever. And so the supply, the supply chain issue there is not only for equipment, but for people to make all of that run um, in the two year, one and a half year period till, till music, live music began last summer. A lot of those people left the industry altogether, and that, that holds true for theater as well. I know, I know the old Globe expressed concern that they might lose people who had been there for decades operating the lighting or in the costume department, whatever. So in the concert industry, they're having a real problem getting enough people to make all these tours work, because normally they would be spaced out more. Now you've got all these tours that had kind of been backed up and all happening concurrently. and they're really having difficulty finding people to the point that there have been not only concerts, but entire festivals that have had to postpone because they didn't have enough staffing to put them on. And MG, you have something to add here? Yes, Matt. I wanted to say that uh, officially uh, Fringe is not requiring anyone to wear a mask, but we are strongly suggesting that you do wear a mask. Some of our, our performances are outdoors, but primarily they're in the two indoor venues at Balboa Park. If you don't have a mask, we have plenty to give you. So we are trying to do the best for our patrons and our artists in keeping them safe, uh, hoping that by next year, uh, Fringe 2023 will be mask free. You're listening to KPBS Roundtable, and this week we're talking about the return of big summer events to San Diego. Now that most COVID restrictions are fading away, our guests this week are KPBS reporters Julia Dixon-Evans and M.G. Perez. We also have Union Tribune music critic George Varga here. Let's pivot a little bit and spend a few minutes on some family-focused events. For the first time since 2019, the county fair is full steam ahead. It opens really soon on June 8th, and that means fair concerts are back. 
And George, we know that the fair and its musical acts, they typically draw thousands of people. Do we know if organizers are expecting, you know, that same buzz with this year's shows? I don't know. I think that would be determined by how eager and hungry people are to go back. And the fair has made it more economical um, up through 2019. They had a number of ticket options, including a VIP dinner option. Um, and this year, nearly every concert, it's a flat uh, fee or free with your fair admission. Um, I would be remiss not to note that what they've announced at the lineup now, and that is the bulk of it, um, amazingly to me, does not have a single female headliner. And that I, I think that would take a, a bit of doing in, in this day and age to not be able to bring in a few. Um, the lineup is more middle of the road than ever. The fair typically is. I mean, they're not trying to bring in the soda bar or Kaz bar or what used to be the bar pink before it went under audience. Um, so they, they do a good job in that middle of the road, uh, you know, area. Uh, but I, frankly, there's nothing that really excites me um, about who they have lined up. And I know nothing excites George for this year's lineup, but does anybody have a favorite music memory from the fair over the years? And I could start, I know, I don't know if it's a favorite, but I remember going in college to a Fifth Harmony show at the fair with a couple of my buddies um, just to see it. But George, any any favorite memories from going to the shows over at the fair? Hmm. Um, yeah, I've been to more fair concerts than I, I can recall. Um, trying to think, uh, I mean, my favorite memory regrettably didn't happen. Pearl Jam were going to play at the fair. They were in a big battle with Ticketmaster at the time, um, and the fair was a non-Ticketmaster venue at the time. It, it no longer is. And then uh, that, that concert at the last moment didn't happen. So that, that's not really answering your question. Years ago, Sarah Vaughn, the great uh, jazz singer, was performing, and apparently no one informed anybody that uh, there was a, uh, like an international moth convention going on. And it's like you almost couldn't see Sarah Vaughn because you know, it was like a sci-fi movie with, you know, what seemed like a thousand moths. And she kept, you know, constantly trying to get them away. They were going into her mouth. Um, she was an incredible trooper to, to get through the whole performance. Um, and Sarah Vaughn was amazing regardless. I'd heard her in, in a non-moth invasion uh, concert prior to that. So that, that would be uh, one memorable one for me. How about you, Julia? Um, you know, the only fair concert I can remember is Jewel when I was maybe 16 years old. So I'll just leave it at that. It was like super influential for teen, teen me. Yeah, Lilith Fair, the first time it came to San Diego was at the fair. And that was a pretty amazing lineup. Uh, Sarah McLaughlin obviously headlined and the Indigo Girls were on the bill and... Um, and they all came out at the end. And, and the fair, I can count on one hand the number of festivals that they've ever had as part of the fair um, or part of the Grandstand series. And so Lilith Fair would be right up there for me. And MG, we know that families, they're going to be looking for things to do with their kids this summer. You cover education and our schools for KPBS. Is there any summer programming that you think people should know about or be aware of? Well, I want to mention the Monarch School, uh, which some people may not be familiar with. The Monarch School is a school um, in Barrio Logan that has a uh, student population uh, of students who were unhoused. 
uh, transient, uh, although many of them stay as long as they can. But the reason I bring it up for families is they have just recently opened a new facility about two blocks away from the school, uh, which is an arts facility. Uh, they uh, premiered it with an incredible art show uh, with artwork from uh, many of the students themselves. But more importantly, they've got a theater that seats uh, up to 100 people. So that space is going to be used. They're doing uh, theater classes there, and uh, and they will actually be having public performances there. It's just a really uh, important new venue that is uh, being added to the community. And so it's the Monarch School um, that has been with San Diego or part of San Diego for over 30 years. Uh, but this is a new, exciting venue that uh, people should really check out this summer. And another affordable option is this summer's Park Social. It's being put on by the city of San Diego. And Julia, that includes a focus on visual arts. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, this was launched in late May, and it runs all the way through into November. So there are things all summer long. And this was a, a pandemic-era program that the city of San Diego put on to fund local artists, to get money in their pockets and also give them creative outlets. It was announced in May of 2020, like right after the city arts budget was slashed. Uh, the, the point really is to get art into parks and to kind of rethink how we look at public spaces and also find contemporary art in surprising ways, especially if uh, if you're someone who is not going to go and seek out contemporary art. Um, there's a couple of really cool things that most of them, I would say all of them, are family friendly. And um, there are these activations, different weekends throughout the summer, where you can go and you can learn how to weave blankets out of shirts at the San Isidro Community Park. Um, Roberto Salas is doing these huge popsicle sculptures in a couple of parks in University City starting the end of this month. Uh, one of my favorite things is Brian and Ryan, this artist duo. They are launching these remote-controlled ducks that they made, like 48 little ducklings, onto Choyas Lake, which normally doesn't allow remote-controlled anything um, to kind of disrupt the natural order of things there. And there's also interactive music installations and sculptures. It's a pretty momentous undertaking and and a great pairing of the outdoors and, and art. And we can't end without talking about the biggest event of them all this summer. Comic-Con is back in full force. There was a scaled-back version last November, but the July event was canceled over the last two years. And Julia, we know that it is an international event, but is there a connection to the local art scene here? Yeah, of course, there's there's um, IDW Comics is there. And throughout the small press area in the past, places or groups like Toshworks, some local writers, they're, they're all set up there. It's hard to say who will come back after this break. Um, it's not the most cost-effective thing for a vendor to go to to the huge Comic-Con. Um, and what I really love is the stuff that's kind of outside of of the convention, the Comic Conference for Educators and Librarians, which is held every year at the San Diego Public Library downtown. We're still waiting on word whether that will be happening this year, but that is also always a really great opportunity for teachers, parents, anyone to, to learn more about comics and literacy. Go ahead, Judge. I have a quick Comic-Con tip, and I, I recommend it to people going to Coachella as well, which is look at uh, what time the headlining act will go on, and at Comic-Con, it would be uh, whatever the big movie draw might be that they're going to be talking about with the cast. 
and then head to the opposite end of the convention center or Coachella into one of the tents. Um, I forgot who was headlining, but I walked over to a tent and St. Vincent, before she really broke, was playing to literally 18 people and was phenomenal. And at Comic-Con, you could walk into nearly any other room beyond the main hall and, and sit right up front and hear fascinating people talk about their work. And MG, we know that you've covered Comic-Con. You did the special edition one from an educational perspective. How can the convention be educational? Well, first thing I have to admit, I was a Comic-Con virgin until I attended the limited edition version last November, which was very exciting to be in the hall, even though it was a much scaled down version. But what I learned is that there is educational value in comics. Uh, when I was there in November, uh, there was an, uh, a scientist who was talking about developing scientific knowledge and programs through fashion. She actually put on a fashion show. Uh, and there was educational value on that. There is also somebody else who's working on an app that is educational using comics, and I'm looking forward to see what will be on the agenda uh, this summer because uh, I definitely had a great time, and it was only half the show, so we'll see what uh, this year brings. Well, we definitely did cover a lot of ground here, but I want to ask you all if there's something that we missed or maybe something that you're looking forward to doing this summer or something that you would recommend. Uh, MG, let's start with you here. Well, I would just say uh, be safe and have fun. Uh, We are in this together, and there are lots of opportunities uh, that don't cost anything in many cases. And uh, definitely come see The Fringe. We are open through June the 12th with all kinds of uh, family-friendly and also adult content, but uh, guaranteed uh, eyeball-busting shows is how, how we like to put it. And George, what about you? I think we'd be remiss not to note that probably the the biggest festival in our area is in Rosarito Beach in August, and that is the Baja Beach Fest. doesn't get a lot of mainstream media coverage. To me, the the fact that you've got 30,000 people a day over two weekends for three days turning up to hear a lot of reggaeton and Latin trap uh, performers who you're not going to hear on most American media outlets um, is pretty notable. And uh, people have been asking about what will happen with Kabu. I had an article last week about the owners of Kabu are now suing the San Diego Padres in an effort purportedly to move back to the Del Mar Fair, or fairgrounds. I don't see any way Kabu will come back this year, but but I probably hear from more people, what about Kabu, you know, and so uh, I have no idea about Kabu, uh, <laughs> but I will point out Wonderfront will be here in November with more than 80 bands headlined by Gwen Stefani, the Kings of Leon, and the Zac Brown Band. And Julia, what about you? Anything you're particularly looking forward to? Yeah, only because it's something we haven't really touched on is the San Diego Festival of Books. Um, that's back in person after two years of, of virtual, and that's August 20th at the University of San Diego. It That festival just keeps getting better and better, attracting bigger name authors and also having lots of outlets for for local presses as well as local authors. That's all for this episode of KPBS Roundtable. And I want to thank our guests. Thank you all so much for being here. KPBS reporters Julia Dixon-Evans and M.G. Perez. We also had Union Tribune music critic George Varga. A reminder, we're just a few days away from the June primary election. Check out the Voter Hub at kpbs.org. You can help get organized there. There's also the KPBS Roundtable podcast. In fact, our last two episodes are focused on what's on the ballot locally. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Have a great weekend, and we'll catch you next week.